Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Great Reset podcast. And today, uh, I'm here with uh, Julie Albright and Brian Hayashi, and we have a special guest, Nabil Mahmoud, who uh, is going to share some of his his insights and experiences. Uh, The theme of our salon, our podcast salon, this week is discovery. And all of us have been undergoing a series of, of processes of, of discovery of the world around us, of the people around us, of the, of the, of the, of the things that within ourselves and within our families and within our own experiences in history, uh, reaching down deep into what we've forgotten and learning new things. Yeah, in this episode, we're going to talk about discovery, about all of the things that we've uh, discovered about ourselves, about our inner worlds, about outer worlds uh, in an environment where we're not able to travel as much, but we have a lot more spare time, free time, and resources in many cases at our disposal. This has led us to a lot of discoveries, to learn things about our own resilience, about our own ability to grow and learn and and expand our horizons uh, without actually physically being in a place with a different horizon. So um, with that, I'd like to turn the uh, turn the mic over to Julie and give us an, an overview of discovery. Thanks, Ed. Discovery. When I hear the word, I immediately think of the first discoveries I learned about as a kid Christopher Columbus, quote, discovering the new world. Galileo, discovering that the earth orbited around the sun rather than the other way round with his telescope. Newton, discovering gravity during the Great Plague. And other feats of daring-do, cleverness, and ingenuity. I grew up as a kid at the beach, and in school, maybe because of our proximity to the sea, We were often shown during assemblies and on rainy days, films of the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau. I can still hear his French accent etched somewhere in the back of my mind as he described the wonders he was discovering in the world undersea, a world he brought to the surface for us to enjoy and appreciate through the development of the aqualung and parts of scuba diving equipment and the undersea camera among technologies still in use today. Jacques was a pioneer. He wanted to instill his love of the ocean in all of us, and for many, he did. His discoveries of kelp forests and dolphins and singing whales to far beneath the frozen ice of Antarctica, Cousteau gave us a vocabulary for seeing and experiencing the world around us with fresh eyes, with eyes of curiosity, wonder, and appreciation. Filmmaker Craig Fosters picked up Cousteau's torch with his award-winning documentary, My Octopus Teacher, which tells the story of a year he spent with a wild octopus. Craig, burned out and exhausted after years of chasing stories around the globe, felt wrung out and unable to work any further. Taking a respite from work, he looked to his own backyard for rest, rejuvenation, and healing to his family's home in the cold waters off the rugged coast near Cape Town, South Africa. As he discovered the beauty and intelligence of one particular octopus and of the underwater forest itself, 
he found himself discovering qualities in himself of renewed curiosity, strength, and empathy. Perhaps now we might take a fresh look to be able to see our everyday lives in a new light using his curious approach to discover or rediscover life wherever we find ourselves, spiritually, physically, and mentally. During this pandemic, I've had a myriad of discoveries that were not nearly as monumental perhaps, but incrementally, I think they add up to something important, a retooling of my life, a rethinking of priorities, a flexibility, a renewed sense of resilience born out of necessity and creativity expressed during these pandemic times. This is, in the best case scenario, survival mode. Let's try to move from surviving though, or mere existence, hanging onto the edge of the cliff by our fingertips as it were, to thriving. As it turns out, living well means getting sun, eating good food, relaxing and lowering stress. All of these are prophylactic things which could save a life my life in this instance, were I to contract COVID. Still, I'm steering clear of gyms and dining and restaurants for now. Yet little did I know that survival mode would mean adventuring, crossing the border into Mexico, and there learning to navigate a strange new place. I'm living more mindfully in the moment as I live my days appreciating a few sunrises, many sunsets, and the shimmering sea. I've eaten some of the best $1.50 Al Pastor tacos I've ever had. I've watched waves break in a thunder of white foam off a silvery ocean, the soundtrack, a wind chime tuned to the key of C. I was surprised to hear a quite solid rendition of Dave Brubeck's Take Five on the saxophone as the sun set bright orange against a dark blue-gray sea. I've discovered many things during this pandemic lockdown that fresh roasted coffee tastes better than my Nespresso pods, for example. I discovered my inner MacGyver. If I didn't have an ingredient on hand for supper, I could make it. So far, I've made chicken stock, beef stock, stewed tomatoes, tartar sauce. I even lit a blown out pilot light on the water heater the other day, despite fears of blowing up the house. I've discovered that Jacques Pepin was right. A thickener of some sort in a soup like yellow grits makes all the difference. I've discovered that you can simplify your life while raising the quality at the same time. I discovered that I still know most of the moves in chess, a game I used to play every week as a kid with my geeky friends, and I still remember some of my high school Spanish. I've discovered that locked in solitary confinement, the mind begins to turn in on itself reaching back to places and things and people that came before for stimulation in the absence of new experiences. I've reviewed many memories of times, good and bad, during COVID, and have discovered that memories become the new reality sometimes during lockdown. I've discovered that change is often and never at the same time, that Groundhog Day is a thing, and that seeing people in person matters. My takeaways are that faith, persistence, grit, love, and a good sense of humor and spirit of optimism will get you through a lot of things. I've discovered that living in the now with an appreciation for beauty, 
for nature and for the small things, from a solid glass of Tempranillo to a fresh-cut steamed lobster with handmade tortillas, rice, and beans, to a great conversation with a friend is the way to get through this thing. Lastly, I've discovered that some of the hobbies I used to have as a kid, like sewing by hand with needle and thread, making a pot on a potter's wheel, playing chess by the hour, or sailing my little red boat on the harbor, prepared me for this moment. They each cultivated within me a measure of patience that I can draw upon in this hour of endless days. I'm reminded of the quote by Albert Camus, in the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. We must each in this complex and challenging time discover our own invincible summers within. And that discovery of that thing that as Camus said, that no matter how hard the world pushes against me, within me, there's something stronger, something better pushing right back. The thing is, in the end, it turns out that discovery doesn't have to be something out there, the new world or the moon or gravity or anything else. One thing we might learn from this experience is how we might have an automatic tendency to look without to find, yet it may be within in our own backyards of sorts that the most exciting and meaningful discoveries are to be made, helping us find our way through these challenging times, and that this discovery can lead us to become stronger, more resilient, and more creative people, so that one fine day, when we finally turn the corner on COVID, we'll be better for it. And with that, I'm gonna to toss it over to Brian. Ah, Julie, thanks so much. You know, thinking about um, discovery, back in the early days of uh, television, uh, General Mills used to say that the empty cereal box makes a sale. And the conceit of that was that back then, the only thing that really caused people to think about things was, was their own animal needs. So when you got hungry, that's when you thought, well, maybe I should go get something to eat. And in that world, it was very simple. There weren't millions and millions of video channels. They couldn't even imagine 500 or, or 50. There were literally four channels that were out there. And what happened is, is that with the, the ad, advent of digital, we've been exposed to more choice than, than we ever have before. And, and what has happened is that we are, in, we are involved in this process of bundling these new experiences into our digital platforms. And as, as these platforms become more evolved, then gradually you have competitors that come in and start taking on different aspects of their specialty. So when you have Jacques Cousteau leading the way and introducing the world to the, the sea in a way that most people could never imagine, it took years for him to build up that expertise and to inspire countless oceanographers to, to you know, children to become oceanographers and, and to have the desire to, to learn and to be knowledgeable about the, these things. So that decades later, when you have someone like a Craig Foster spending time with that, with that animal, it, it isn't just him that is interested in it. You have people like Pickett Ehrlich and James Reed that are there to support him and to, and to make his vision into a reality. And so with, with COVID, 
we are not in our rooms by ourselves. We are able to reach out to this enormous universe of, of people, most of whom we, we've never met. And I think that's one of the really amazing things that, that is yet to happen or is in the process of happening right now. Discovering other people who share the same concerns that we have and being able to use technology to reach out to them and to discover people who have the same needs and to build something better together. But that's my thoughts. What do you think, Ed? Well, I'd say that it's technology that allows us to create the uh, those connections that we wouldn't, you know, that we wouldn't make other otherwise. And uh, one of the examples of of the process of discovery is all of the the people, the personalities, and the stories that we've been able to connect with uh, on a on a regular basis in our you know in our private salons. And we're all geographically dispersed, hundreds or if not thousands of miles away from each other, and. Uh, each one of us in different time zones, at least right now in this conversation, and the ability to, you know, to connect with a digital tribe virtually while, you know, our physical movement is still constrained is really miraculous. And it's reason for gratitude. And I would say that this, uh, this, the subtext, or maybe the first derivative of discovery in at least for our experience in, in this group is, you know, is, is gratitude as well. Um, I'd like to chat with uh, Nabil and ask you, you know, Nabil, share a little bit about your background and what has, has been your experience of discovery uh, that, you know, that's kind of brought you to where you are today. And, and I would love to hear, hear about your background and some of your experiences, which are quite remarkable and, and, and unique. Well, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me, guys. Um, so I wasn't searching for something or someone. I was searching for myself. And my journey started, gosh, what seems like forever. Um, the greatest and most important adventures of our lives uh, I believe is discovering who we really are and what are we here to do? What's our purpose? Yet I believe so many of us walk around either not really knowing or listening to an awful inner critic that gives us all the wrong ideas about ourselves and who we need to be. We mistakenly think of self-understanding as self-indulgence and we carry on without asking the most important question we'll ever ask, who am I really? Or what is it that we want to do uh, with this one wild and precious life that we've been given? So finding myself uh, may sound like inherently self-centered, uh, but it's actually an unselfish process that I've gone through personally, whereby I've seen the peaks and valleys, and I've always questioned myself, what's my purpose? What am I here to do? What am I doing? And uh, I recently, over the last couple of weeks, came across this that I've got to learn to slow down, to pay attention and pay attention to life and uh, get closer to my purpose in life. How it started, golly, I mean, that's, that's uh, the biggest nail on the head was four and a half years ago when I flatlined, two heart attacks and uh, experienced death for four minutes and 19 seconds. That was the, the biggest experience that I can actually 
refer to here where things start to make some sense. And what I really got out of it was that I've got to identify what the purpose is. I've got to figure out that I'm here to and be a change agent. I've got to differentiate. I've got to seek meaning of life. I've got to think about what I really want from life and I want to be recognized personally, professionally, and maybe I want to silence my inner critic. Maybe I'm better than that. Uh, maybe I want to practice compassion and generosity and I got to know the value of friendship and people. So that's what I've been up to. Uh, COVID was not really the root cause of it all. It's been several peaks and valleys that I've experienced over the last in a 40 plus years of uh, my life. So Nabil, how, how did you come to terms with, uh, I mean, flatlining? Uh, and in our prior conversation, this is not the first time that you've hit real valleys. And I think one of the really, um, you know, really challenging experiences for anyone is to, you know, is, is to go through a, the situation where you're, I, I know you're, you're being modest, but you, you know, you physically, uh, you know, you were an athlete and you, you were completely physically uh, paralyzed as it were for a while. And that wasn't, that was your first, I mean, flatlining was not your first experience with this. And I would love to get your perspective on, you know, how, what you learned you know, from these, you know, these extraordinarily traumatic experiences and, and how you rebounded and what common, uh, you know, common lessons that, you, that you've learned that you've been able to apply, you know, more broadly to your life. Well, the common lesson out of all of it is never give up. Um, I mean, my dad used to tell this to me all the time where there is a will, there is a way. I mean, not that I've actually been any... Uh, in any heroic position, but the fact of the matter is that I was able to heal myself by convincing myself that I can be better, I can do better, I can make sense of it, I can get out of the mess that I'm been in. Yeah, maybe um, you could give us a little, uh, just a little context too around that. Um, you know, how did you how did you find yourself in the you know the first you know the first uh, uh, the first paralysis of of, of sorts. Yeah, so you know, starting early part in my in my life, I was an athlete. Uh, I was doing pretty well and play cricket and uh, do do it for a living. Uh, anyhow, long short is that I felt the horse uh, shattered my lower back and my my legs, so I was paralyzed in bed for about nine months, and there was no hope that I could potentially even walk again. And I had to just tell myself that I can do this. I can I can get out of it. This is not the life that I chose. It was an accident. It was not something that was given to me, uh, but just that instance where I probably made a wrong decision. And if anybody can do it, I should be able to do it myself. So there was a lot of soul searching, a lot of talking to myself, a lot of convincing myself that if I put my mind and heart to it, I could potentially get out of it. And long behold, yes, um, I, was, I was able to recover uh, fairly well, fairly quickly, uh, but it was never the same. Um, a part of the challenge that we often find is or come across the fact that you relate to your past, uh, whether it be age or things that you used to do that you can't really do anymore. So there's a little bit of give and take and a level of acceptance that this is the new norm. And uh, fortunately, early enough in my life, I was able to uh, give a little to get some in return, uh, whereby I understood the value that I won't be able to do everything the same way that I used to do when I was a younger man. And uh, at the end of the day, really, it was 
believing in myself um, and working hard at it. I mean, it was, it was quite painful the first time. Uh, the, I, I remember the first time I stood back on my feet was very painful. It was quite hurtful. Uh, I still remember the pain. It still shivers me to, to this day when I, when I feel uh, that, that gesture, that, uh, <laughs> that tingle in my body, uh, the back on my feet again. Uh, but then again, on the other side, you know, the glass is always half full. And I felt like a, a kid, uh, pretty much like that kid when he or she takes their first step. So it was a new beginning for me. When you think about how people have been sidelined from their lives or disconnected from their, uh, you know, from interacting with people, particularly for, for extroverts, uh, you know, how, how does it, um, you know, if, if you think about your experience, I think it's that being completely sidelined and, and isolated from the rest of the world uh, for nine months is a bit of a metaphor for what many people are experiencing now. Of course, it's not, you know, not nearly as physically traumatic, uh, probably psychologically traumatic, but I think for, you know, the suddenness of, of being disconnected. Um, you know, what, what are some of the, the lessons that others are finding themselves kind of unmoored or, or isolated and cut off in a way from whether it's their own bodies or their own, you know, their, their own circles of, of friendships and relationships. How did you deal with it? Are, are there some lessons that, that we could share with, with others that, that might be, you know, feeling, you know, similarly frustrated? Absolutely. So I think a part of, I mean, that's just being human. Uh, we are social creatures. We like to be with people and around people at all times. Uh, we are afraid of being uh, in lockdowns as uh, literally we are. Um, the fact of the matter is we've got to change our habits. We've got to look outside the box. I mean, you know, never ever will we ever do the same thing again. Um, whether it be business, personal, professional, whatever the case might be. And if we do so, we should be expecting the same results. So this is actually a great reset. As a matter of fact, that's the title of the podcast. It's the great reset whereby you've got to think outside the box. You've got to think, think things differently. Like I said earlier, one of the things that I'm still trying to do is discover myself. Um, and, and the journey continues whereby this is a perfect opportunity for us to slow down a little bit and pay a little more attention to what's important. Uh, sitting over here, I mean, some of the things that I'm personally learning around the lines of life and work balance. I mean, you look at the American uh, culture, we talk about work and life balance and there is zero balance whatsoever. And what a great way to look at things now that we've got a life and work balance. You can spend quality time with family, friends. Uh, you can actually get an opportunity to cook at home. You can really experience coffee like no more Nespresso. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with it, but you can really experience life. And that's really, you know, an opportunity for a lot of people whereby we, when we were chasing uh, money or when we were in the rat race, it was not something that was considered normal. Whereas now it is normal. I mean, we are able to spend quality time with friends. We are able to have intellectual conversations. We are able to share our experiences. So there's a lot positive to it. Um, you know, I reckon my dad used to always tell me the glass is half full and it took me 40 plus years to figure that out. Um, I, I believe it's a mindset, it's a, it's a, it's a cultural change, and uh, what better place to be in our lives right now to look at the brighter side of things. 
Well, I thought what was really, what really jumped out at me was that when you, uh, I mean, you pushed yourself to the, to the limits. I mean, you, you couldn't have gone any further uh, than, you know, or you wouldn't be talking to us now. And the, you know, the, the upshot was that, uh, you know, you, you know, you were unhealthy, you had pushed yourself, your body gave out and pushed back, pushed back at you. And that caused you to make some changes in many respects that were, you know, highly anticipatory of, you know, being able to weather uh, conditions, circumstances like we're dealing with now. And, and uh, I'm, I don't, I hope I'm not giving anything away to, you know, to say that you're living on a, you're living in an island and an island life, you know, which is the way, you know, many people would even think of, of, you know, living on an island as, as uh, a tropical island as, as, as paradise. And, you know, what, what is, would be really interesting to, for me is to kind of understand how you, you know, you took that experience of pushing, you know, pushing yourself to sort of to the end. It's like, how do you, um, how did you decide to just say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pull up stakes and uh, I'm going to get away from the mainland and I'm going to live on an island and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be in the sunshine and people can't see you, but you look really like super healthy and, and happy. And there's just, you know, even though it's digital, you just, you sort of radiate uh, kind of grooviness and, and happiness, you know, what, you know, what, what, what was the catalyst and how did you, uh, you know, how did you decide on the, you know, on this court, you know, on, on your direction and if you hadn't, what, you know, how would you, how, I, I have no doubt that you would arrive similarly, like in a, you know, in a mind space that you are right now. So, you know, what, what, you know, what, what drove you to where you are now or what, what called you to where you are now? Uh, and more broadly, you know, what is it, you know, what, what is it that's not, uh, you know, that, that, that doesn't have anything to do with your physical location? All right, so let's start with, you mentioned unhealthy. I don't believe I was ever unhealthy. According to medical science, I was unhealthy. My BMI was right in the range where it needed to be. Unhealthy I was when it came down to the lifestyle I chose, and that was following in the footsteps of uh, corporate America. I was chasing something that we all are in a lot of ways. It was the rat race that I was a part of. It was trying to keep up with the Joneses. It was uh, about driving a fancy car and living in a bigger home down by the bay. That was unhealthy. And there's no reason for that. Now, how did I get to where I'm at today? You know, it's a lot easier when you're not in that position. As a matter of fact, I've heard many people tell me this, that you don't know what you're talking about. You're not in the same position. Well, gosh, darn it, I was. And the fact of the matter is, the way I looked at it, I didn't have anything to lose. I have been paralyzed before. I've lost everything that I owned before. I've experienced death. What's the worst that can happen? Well, absolutely nothing. What do I have to lose? Nothing. Maybe somebody could yell at you on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so when it happened, I basically had a talk with myself, and evidently I occasionally do that. 
Uh, that's the, the Nabilism hashtag, again, if we're on Twitter, uh, whereby being an athlete, you know, growing up, I have developed a skill set that I can potentially just step away for a couple of minutes, evaluate things, and as we call it in golf, regrip and swing at it again. So in this particular scenario, I stepped back and I thought, what am I doing wrong? And what I was doing wrong was following someone else's dream. I had lost my voice and it was time to reevaluate what I did. And the one and only thing that came to my mind, I've got to move away from it all. And the only place you can do that is to get into isolation and what better place in the world to be in the tropics to, to be totally isolated, talk to yourself, figure yourself out, and then come back stronger, stronger than before. And it's been four and a half years and no complaints uh, of being stuck on an island. As a professional athlete, you, you've had experience at working with, I imagine, some of the, the best coaches anyone can imagine. So if you were to reverse the, the roles, if you were to be a, the coach for somebody that, that, is, that is a little bit maybe unmoored, what would, you, what would you do as your coach? Well, the first thing I think you know, I would do would be is to, to figure out where people's strengths are and, and work with them on building those versus trying to change it into something that they are not. Um, I mean, a good example, like for instance, when I played cricket, I was a bowler but I had to bat as well, and I had the least amount of interest in batting. So you've got to find out people's strengths and what they're good at, what they're motivated, what, what strikes them. And when it comes down to what we are doing today, it's the same thing. You've got to figure out your passion. You've got to figure out your strengths. You've got to figure out what your interest is in and build on it. This is a good time for that. You know, that's what I hope that people use this time to reflect and to step back and slow down a little bit, like you said, and discover those things, maybe things they forgot, you know, things they used to like to do. Like you said, you get so caught up in that rat race at high speed, you know, 100 miles an hour heading toward the wall that you don't take the time to really even do the kinds of things. Like, what are you doing this for? You know, that's why some people end up, you know, I saw a guy on a TikTok video going, I, you know, I went to medical school. I did all the things my parents want. I'm sitting here working 8,000 hours a week. I don't have a relationship. I don't have anything. And he's all, is this all there is? You know, and, and I think this is the moment for people to step back and really evaluate the way they're living. And, and you've really done that so beautifully. That's why we were hoping you could come today and t- tell your story. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. I think, you know, in, in an oversimplified way, I was thinking about things over the weekend or the long weekend. And if I was to oversimplify it in my life is that I've been driving at 200 plus miles an hour, whereby I've never been able to pay attention. And it's time. And, you know, there is no better venue than what we are in today. I mean, granted, medically, it's a disaster, but it's an opportunity to slow down a little and figure out what do we really want to do when we grow up. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the discovery that we are all seeking, in my opinion. In some ways, I hope we never grow up. I mean, because that's if we can maintain the sort of the childlike 
uh, fascination with uh, the wonders of the world and, and the discovery around us, uh, that that's what keeps us, you know, vital and, and fresh. Um, but on the other hand, you know, we don't want to be childish. We want to be uh, balanced and prudent in understanding, you know, what our realities are and where we can go. But I think, Nabil, you have been, uh, you know, you're a great example of, of what it's like to, to really hit the limit and then bounce back and then re- find a, a renewed appreciation for, you know, what's, what's really important in, in life. And, um, you know, I really appreciate your time. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's truly a delight. I hope that in the not too distant future, we're going to be, uh, we'll be having you know, face-to-face meetings again, because the, uh, you know, as Julie had, had rightly pointed out in her, in her opening comments, it is, you know, one of the great pleasures of life is getting together with people and soaking up their positive energy. And that's one of the things that we've been trying to do in the, in these, uh, in the series of, of conversations is to, is to surface those ideas that are going to revitalize us, make us positive and, and really re-energize inspiration that we can pay forward to all the people in our concentric circles. So um, with that, uh, I think it's been a, a fantastic conversation. We're grateful for your time and uh, uh, always, always good to see you and, and hear from you and, and learn more about your, your own experiences. Uh, Julie and Brian, again, uh, have just been uh, amazing fellow travelers in this, uh, in our own journey of discovery here. So uh, we say thank you. And if Julie and Brian, if you have any final thoughts, we'd welcome them. I just want to say thanks. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us tonight. Thank you, Nabil. Well, thank you for having me, guys. It's been really nice. One last thing I would leave everyone with is the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Thank you. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. That was a fantastic conversation with Nabil. Uh, I know Brian and Julie and I uh, always enjoy talking with him. Uh, We wanted to thank all of you for listening and staying with us. Um, Please visit our website, uh, greatresetpodcast.com. And we would ask you to please subscribe and join our community because there's strength in numbers, there's strength in positivity. We get more people involved in our, uh, our community, we grow. Please tell your friends, it expands. We have concentric circles of positivity. So thank you once again and best of luck to all of us.